0: Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode.
1: I did Berlin Marathon and I was going for sub three and I got three hours and seven seconds. And everybody said to me afterwards, Can you run a bit quicker? <laughs> like, do you not think I tried? <laughs> I mean, my God.
0: Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. <laughs> Here
2: we go, we're on, it's happening, we're live, we're back It is the Running With Jake podcast, of course you know that, you just heard the voiceover guy say that But it is, in case you missed it, the Running With Jake podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation I'm Jake Lowe, felt like I should say that, the running coach, the host Pete, you're the producer, the non-running guy of the show For the new listeners to our little podcast, it's important just to keep people abreast of who we are
0: Yes, I'm, I'm certainly a non-running guy, and I think running people are lunatics, <laughs> um, which is uh, makes me perfect for this show, doesn't it? Or maybe not. Do not. not stop this podcast. Pete uh, only plays a
2: small role during this show, so he's not he's not going to offend you very often, very often. Anyway, I'm not,
0: honestly. So you, uh, you did a little bit of running at the weekend, didn't you? The uh, South Downs half... And we were talking last week about how it was traily or not traily and, you know, how hilly it was going to be. What was the deal with it? How hilly was it? How did it go? How traily,
2: how traily. Well, I I, I have a question, first of all, actually. Does anybody want to buy a watch? It's it's high mileage, one careful owner. (laughs) Do you want to buy a watch, Pete? Do you want to buy this watch? It's very nice. Look
0: at that. No, I don't. No, I like a I like a watch with hands it's on it. Beautiful. Look at that, Lord. I'm very I'm very old school. It is a nice watch. So yeah. you asked me about the South Downs Half Trail Marathon
2: thing at the weekend, which was epic. It was fantastic. But it's the second race that I've done this year, and more importantly, more significantly, it's the second race ever where I didn't look at my watch. I just didn't look at my Ah. watch. I didn't look at it at all. I don't need the thing. I don't need the watch. It was very, very liberating. I felt I had three nights of incredibly poor sleep going going into the event. And you've known me a long time, Pete. You Mm. know what I'm like when I don't sleep. I just
0: get a a bit grumpy. I'm a bit, oh, a bit... A bit dozy, a bit all over the place, a bit out of sorts. So you so you turned up on the str- on the start line completely grumpy to- uh, and and not and going. I'm not even going to look at my watch. Yeah, I was like, stuff to watch. <laughs> right. So I just thought,
2: well, let's rock up, see what happens. I mentioned last week on the show, if you listened, that I I, I just wanted to kind of run it. I hadn't really decided how to run it. Whether I was going to race it, it's probably going to be more of a training event. Obviously, super hot at the weekend. It was very warm. It was very hilly, as you mentioned, Pete. It was very traily, but kind of tame stuff. You know, it wasn't like mm. super technical it was literally just nice well-kept trails as it were you could have run in normal mm. shoes I mean I, I did take a pair of trail shoes with me to give me a little bit more confidence bit of extra grip but it was fantastic and I just kind of ran and, and and that was that I just ignored everything and I tell you the the most amazing thing about that event and th- this happened with the the other half that I did the Hull-Avington half not that long ago mm. being around loads of other runners it just felt so good again it's, it's a little bit like when you go out for your first meal again and you're in a restaurant around other people, you know, and you think, God, this has been so long since we've been allowed to do this. So being in that environment with lots of other runners was amazing. But the best thing about it was there was a bunch of crazy slash awesome runners <laughs> that were coming the other way and they were doing the right. Centurion 100 miler. They were doing different distances, but they were doing there was some right. that were doing the 100 miler and they were coming back the other way, like past us, because they were on the South Downs Way. So we're kind of the half Marathoners and the 10K is running one way, passing people from this other event running the other way, and it was just. Everybody's super supportive, congratulating each other. You know, well done, keep going, mate, sure. all that stuff. It's a brilliant
0: atmosphere. I'm trying to work out if that's well planned or not well planned. I'm not even sure. No clue. But I think I think um, what you said about watches, I think that's a really big thing. And, and you know, I, I do say I'm a non-running guy, and I certainly am a non-running guy. I don't have the mentality of a runner, um, but I do run occasionally, just for mental well-being and that kind of stuff. And, and that's something I've learned by being part of the podcast, strangely enough. But I do think there's a lot to be said about not... Tracking your progress and not looking at your watch and not worrying about that. In fact, our next guest who we're about to speak to, Kate, uh, I know because we've already spoken to her. It's like we're in some kind of weird time warp. So this bit here where we start um, the show, this is done the day before the show comes out. But we've already spoken to Kate and she talks about taking the pressure off a little bit and, and leaving her watch at home, but tracking her progress on her phone. So it's not instantly accessible and she can't glance at it during the she likes to measure the sessions and and I think, I think that whole not worrying about metrics and not worrying about where you are at that moment in time, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah,
2: and I think so many people listening to this show and runners beyond around the world run for mental health. Not just for mental health, but I think it plays a large part of the reasons behind. I always ask runners, you know, why do you run? What do you get out of it? And aside from the obvious, well, it's to achieve this race. Once you get into the nitty gritty, you either read between the lines or you ask the right questions to to dive between the lines and get the facts. You realise that actually people do it to hit the reset button on the day, to give them some balance in their life, some law and order, just get them feeling better about themselves and the world again. And, and I think a lot of that is managing expectations, which we do talk about a lot on the show uh, and and little tips and techniques like today's guest, Kate, you mentioned hiding the watch in the bag, recording the data but not looking at it. Sam, who is one of my runners that I mentioned, I think I mentioned him on last week's show actually or it's not the week before and he is very aware of how he's feeling in any given moment. He's also very aware and he's learning how I kind of operate as a coach. We've not been working together that long. He's very aware of communicating with me and telling me how he wants to execute certain sessions and races. So for example, he's doing a half marathon this weekend in Hampshire. It's a shame they weren't on the same weekends actually, like my race and his race. But he's doing it this weekend. I've already had a message from him saying uh, next weekend's going to be an event, not a race. Brilliant. He set that standard. He knows in his mind he's going into that And treating it as an event, he's far more likely to enjoy it than, it's a race, it's a race, it's a race, it's a race... But he's not in, perhaps, the headspace where he wants to race it, but he's told himself it's a race. Guess what? Setting himself up potentially for disappointment. Why would you want to do that on the weekend? You wouldn't, would you?
0: Different people have different things and take different things. And to some people, I'm racing, I'm racing, I'm racing, may make them perform better. Absolutely. And that's right for you. But then to be self-aware and know what is right for you and what isn't right for you, I think, is key. And, of course, we're getting a little bit deep and heavy here, giving you some little tips and tricks that may help you take some pressure off
2: your running. But if all else fails, you can go and do your event dressed as a giant panda that can definitely help to take off some pressure
0: for the show notes and video content go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast running with jake the podcast
2: today's guest knows all about how to take pressure off her own runs she holds the world record for the fastest female in a full body costume yes she chose a panda why would you not choose a panda she is a lifestyle editor for the Guardian, she writes for The Runner's World and she's also a presenter on the Running Channel on YouTube and she's coached by Tom Craggs who's actually a former podcast guest. He's an England Athletics marathon coach. Kate runs everywhere and she also runs late. Welcome to the show. I didn't think it was going to happen, I'll be honest. I don't know whether this is like third time lucky or, or is it second time lucky? I'm not really sure. The first time we had a few technical issues, didn't we? Yeah, second second time lucky. Let's hope it's not third time. We're very honest on this show, Kate. You know, we don't, we just tell people everything warts and all. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. And of course, you've just been for a run. We were you to record at 11. You were out on the track. You sent me a message. Now, the good thing about this is the fact that you're a little bit late is, I'm going to share this with the world now, Kate is late, but the great thing is, I don't have to really think about the first question to ask you, because that's easy. How was your session?
1: Oh my God, it was hot. Uh, I mean, I really (laughs) love running. I'm so happy that it's warm now. Um, It's like proper summer. I love um, this kind of weather and I think I train much better in it. But when you're not, you know, when you kind of start getting those days, you're not yet used to it. So yeah, it was quite. It was a long session. So it's about like ten ten miles in total, and it was a bit melted by the end.
2: It's just typically British, isn't it? Yeah. We're, we're desperate for the sun. And then the sun comes and it's like, OK, just turn it down <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I have for some heat. Not not too much, not too much. I oh, know I would never it complain. It just catches people out. I'm
1: never complaining when it's too hot. I mean, I spend 95% of my time complaining that it's too cold, so I can never complain <laughs> if it's hot. What was the session, Kate? Uh, what, it was, was it uh, seven, 70 minutes with four times eight minute threshold blocks in there.
2: Sounds <laughs> a little bit tasty. W- when you do your threshold stuff, do you tend to because I know you, you coach um, with Tom, aren't you, who was yes. on our, on, who's been a guest on the on the show before. Great guy. Do, and he said, I presume he set this session for you. Do you work on heart rate or do you tend to go on pace when you're doing your threshold work?
1: Well, that's an interesting question because I think I, I, I tend to go on pace, but of course, when it is hot, I mean, you probably should go on heart rate, but I don't really... I've never I've never really trained on heart rate. I know I know better on pace than I do on heart rate even though obviously your heart rate varies. In fact, I um I actually start uh, started the run uh, dragged my husband to the track with me. Uh and at the beginning he must have been wearing a, a heart rate monitor. And it was obviously a strap that at some point was mine, and at some point I must have connected to my watch. Because at the start of the run, it was like, you know, oh, you're now in this zone. I was like, what? How does it know? I've turned off the heart rate. (laughs) And then I finished the run, and Strava said to me, below average effort. I was like, what? I just ran 10 miles. For God's sake, that's that's just harsh. And then I realised, because I'd unpaired it after, like, 10 minutes it just kind of decides okay so that whatever it was at that point is what your heart rate is for the whole rest of the run so it was like 130 for the whole thing I was like no it wasn't I was dying at points on that
2: So funny, isn't it? You've got to trust yourself, haven't you, Kate? You know, it's like you say there. Well, I wasn't. I was dying. I know. I know. I was working hard. It's like the classic where my runners will message me saying, "My Garmin's just told me that I'm unproductive again." You've set this session for me. You're obviously a rubbish coach. You don't know anything. I'm unproductive.
1: Oh, (laughs) the tech
2: only knows. That is harsh, isn't
1: it? There's (laughs) um, a really good friend of mine, uh, Tracy Barlow. She's a a GB marathon runner. Tom coach is her as well and she she once sent me a picture like I think it was after this year's London marathon um you know the one where they had to sort of run it and lapse around St James's Park and she was like third sure. British runner the whole thing um the, the weather if you remember the weather was horrible it was like freezing pouring with rain like really poor conditions and she loves hot weather and she, I think she said, I think it was after that, race, right? She sent me a picture of her Garmin, like about three hours later, saying like, she was unproductive. It's just like <laughs> she just podiumed <laughs> in the London Marathon. Because like, say, what more do you want?
2: <laughs> oh my gosh you've got to trust yourself yeah. it's very important i understand the um the panda suit has has made an appearance recently <laughs> i i and i'm wrong in this okay so uh, judging from your instagram that was a recent race that you managed to get in, in, involved in what was that about yeah
1: so so obviously i run london marathon in the panda costume uh I was going to say last year, you know, time is so weird now, isn't it? In the before times, uh, 2019 it was. Um, And I haven't really, I I, I was going to say I haven't got it out since, but I did last, in the start of uh, lockdown last year, um, there was that day where London Marathon... Did a sort of two point six mile challenge. So just because obviously the marathon wasn't happening, they were trying to get encourage people to basically raise money for charity. So I ended up running around my neighbourhood in the panda costume, mainly just to like you know give the kids something to laugh at or whatever. But since then it hasn't wow. come out. So the Q the Q ten k races I don't know, there's like a the run Richmond sort ten of k and so on. I'm a really big fan of those races. It's lovely ten k all the way around Kew Gardens, gorgeous. Um, and Tom Bedford, who is the race director of it, who is you know Dave Bedford's son, um, he is kind of a I guess kind of a, a friend of a friend. He's a yeah, I don't know him well, but he's a lovely guy. And he messaged me a few weeks before Q ten k and said. Uh, would you come and do my race in your panda costume? And I was like, uh, <laughs> why? <laughs> I mean, okay, but why? And he said, "Oh, my friend's running in a panda costume, and you've got to come and beat him." It's a head to head. So it was a panda head to head. Yeah,
2: port to paw. I don't know. <laughs> Is that like a panda off? Yeah. Can you call it a panda off? Is that what you had? Yeah, like a yeah panda pretty off? much. Yeah. <laughs> mm, so- I like it. I like. And of course, the big question. Everybody listen to this now, you know the question they want. They want me to ask. Did you
1: win? No, I didn't. Uh, but oh. I i, I mean, I'm still the fastest girl panda, but boy panda won. It was just a bit of a laugh, really. I, I met the guy before the start and we had a nice chat and everything. And then we ran the whole thing together. Uh, which was quite funny And then he beat me In the sprint finish
2: If he'd have gone for Kung Fu Panda You could have just Taken him out Like with you know 10 metres to go And just pipped him At the line You, 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 you know you missed The trick oh, there yeah. You missed the trick So what What are you Training for at the Moment then Kate Because I know The Panda stuff Obviously you know Amazing the things That you've achieved Before Clearly you love Running what are your aspirations
1: now moving forward? Well, I'm hopefully doing Berlin Marathon. Um, I say hopefully because, like, I still can't get my head around, like you said, I can't get my head around the idea that, like, 40,000 people or whatever are going to do a race in September. I mean, even if they can do the race, are we going to be allowed to go to do the race without quarantining, etc.? So I don't know. But that theoretically, that's the goal. Um, in, in the slightly more, that's obviously September, in this sort of more short term, I've got a bunch of 5Ks, 10Ks, and uh, half marathons. Someone lined up.
2: If Berlin does go ahead, and we hope it does, you know, there's lots of people listening to this, that have got autumn marathons, Berlin, London, wherever it may be, we're all hoping it goes ahead. I think it's important to manage expectations. Mm. Clearly, you're doing that. It may go ahead. Training isn't wasted, it's always banked. It's yeah. important to make that distinction that, you know, it's not a waste of time, all this training and everything we do. Hopefully it goes ahead. Have you got time ambitions for that race or do you just want to take part? What's the deal?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. If I'm going to do it, I want to do it like, you know, properly. (laughs) Um, So I would want to go for a a PB. Um, It's been a while since I ran a a marathon like competitively. I mean, (laughs) not as a panda, not as a competitive panda. Um, So it feels quite slightly daunting because I haven't, it feels like a long time since I've done that. You know that whole cycle when you start thinking, oh, Sunday's a twenty-miler, and you know the sort of uh, the depths of marathon training when you're a bit knackered.
2: What's your relationship with with time <laughs> and ambition and goals? Would you would you categorise your relationship with that with those ambitions as as healthy? Do you enjoy the whole process? You know, do you are you are, are you at risk sometimes of setting yourself up for disappointment? Do you put too much pressure on yourself, or have you done that? Previously, in, in races, I'm interested to know how how your relationship is with that that ambition. Really,
1: yeah, that's a good question. I am extremely competitive with myself, if that makes sense. So, you know, I'm not competitive with anyone else. I mean, you know what it's like. You've got, if you've got a friend who's around the same pace as you, if they go and do something, you'll be like, oh, well, maybe I could do that. But it's not so much competitiveness as as sort of like, oh, that person is my kind of benchmark. Um, so it's a measure, isn't yeah, exactly. it? Yeah, like Yeah, I
2: understand that. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm
1: definitely competitive in that I want to still get PBs and so on. And last year I was uh, still getting PBs. Uh, I didn't do anything on like longer races, but like the short races, I was still getting PBs. Um, so I think there's still like more to come in that sense. For me, I know I have to kind of uh, run myself into that form. I know, like some people, sometimes I see people kind of. Surprising themselves if you see what I mean like, like oh I, I didn't think I would get anywhere near that in that race I feel like I know very well <laughs> what form I'm in and I need to kind of work into it so say I'm doing uh, some 5k races at the moment I know I'm gonna have to kind of the first one wasn't great next one will be a little bit, better. Bath- you know, it'll be, it's like a little staircase I have to get up. I can never just sort of knock it out, if that makes sense. I, I guess it's a confidence thing as well.
2: Yeah, there's a few things that you mentioned I want to pick up on. Form. Mm. I think it's really important that we understand where we are at any given time. You know, what 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 shape are we in, you know, yeah. and which is what we're talking about here. Do you have certain ways that you measure that so is it just like I feel good or are there some key sessions maybe training sessions that give you that awareness almost like benchmarking your fitness or your level where you're at, at any given time or is it a race is it like well oh, I've done a 10k and I achieved this therefore I know I'm feeling good and I'm in shape at the moment how do you measure it
1: I would say probably kind of the middle of the middle one uh I do a lot of track work I I really love track running Tom varies varies my sessions all the time so I'm not always doing the same you know I don't know 10 times 400 or something but at the same time you do know uh, there's always some similarities one week it might be 800 600 400 and the next week there'll be another element of that and maybe there'll just be a 400 in it and you can go oh That's much better than last time, or that was about the same as last time. So that that gives you that sort of ability to be able to kind of compare other things. I guess, like the other thing I feel like is recovery is is kind of quite a good benchmark for me. Like if I do a session and then feel absolutely wiped out by it the next day, I kind of figure. Well, I mean, it's good in that I clearly pushed myself hard. But maybe I push myself a bit too hard because I feel so completely naked today. And then I've had a, over the kind of winter and, and the spring, I've had a bit of a kind of, almost like a mental block about long runs. They felt a lot long. They, they haven't really been very long and they felt really long, um, which is slightly <laughs> like freaked me out And the marathon training idea. I'm like thinking if, I, if I'm feeling like 11 miles feels really long and what, how the hell am I going to feel like when I get to 20? But then I start doing that and start feeling... Oh that was fine. You know, I finished that with some some gas in the tank. Then I feel like that's a sign of progress as well. So there's all these kind of little different things. I wouldn't say races so much. I mean, obviously that's I feel like races are more like turning your homework in and the training is more doing the homework. So the races is just the kind of outcome, the train the measuring is more about the training, if that makes sense.
2: It makes perfect sense. And I'm writing that down because I I just, I love that. (laughs) That makes perfect sense to me. Honestly, I get so into this. I get Honestly, you should see me. I get goosebumps when people start talking like this. (laughs) I just think that makes so much sense. And I'll tell you one of the reasons I love things like that, Kate, is I've always said this, even before I was a running coach, that there's so many people that will say, oh, running's simple. It's really simple. You You just run. You don't really need running shoes in reality. You just open the door and you just go. And that's true. But I think there's so many moving parts and so many things that can affect it. And and inside as well, you know, mentally, psychologically, the pressure we put ourselves under, how we measure our fitness, how are we in form? Gosh, this long run feels long and it's nowhere near as long as the marathon, how am I going to cope? You know, all that stuff. I just think there's so much for us to keep to keep in balance. To, does that make some yes, sense to you? And, absolutely. And I, as you were talking about the race there, and you said, well, race is for me not so much as a measure of am I in shape? And I thought, you know, I think there's people out there that would say, listening to this, that it's a good measure of the form that they're in if the race goes well. If they go and smash a PB, or oh, I'm in shape. But if the race doesn't go well they could think oh I'm not in shape and that might not be the case yeah. because that's just handing in the homework yeah it's not actually the studying well,
1: I think you know if your training's gone well and you're sort of hitting paces on your runs that you hope to pit and you know it's all going well then I mean the important thing is that that also gives you the confidence to 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 go out at your pb pace in that race and if you hadn't done that homework you would Maybe hold back, or you wouldn't be so confident to do it. And but then, you know, as you say, at the same time, things can go wrong. There's um, a, a nice guy in my club uh, who um, was training for a marathon. He did um, the the Boston one, you know, the, the the Boston England one that was a week or two ago. Um, and he's just improved beyond all measure. It's incredible to watch his like runs on Strava and stuff. He's gone so so well and doing this seriously impressive runs, and then bouncing back the next day and doing, you know a recovery run but at a pace that actually shows he's really recovering well and so on and then he went he went and did uh, the marathon and it was just a, a really warm day unexpectedly warm day and he ended up um getting heat stroke or like you know collapsing at about mile i don't know 20 22 23 or something and he was like in the first aid tent for a bit and then he got up and he finished it and obviously his time was, you know, he was out for like 45 minutes in a tent or whatever. His time was obviously no, nowhere. And he's gutted. And, and to me, there are two things there. One, he shouldn't be gutted because bloody hell, getting up after that and finishing a race, that is a lot harder than just cruising around and being like, hey, this feels great. You know, that is an incredible sure. achievement. And B, like you said earlier, the training's all still done the bank. You haven't done all that and then it not got anything out of it. You know, the training should be part of... You should sort of congratulate yourself on that and and be like, okay, so the day that... It was like a bad dress rehearsal or something. Just, you know, there'll be another one and you've got the confidence from the training. Don't let the the bit that didn't work take away from the, the 95% that you did well. What
2: well, What's his name? Can I ask you his name? Uh, Jack. <laughs> Jack, <laughs> yeah. on which club is it you're on for? Uh,
1: Wimbledon Windmilers.
2: Jack, you're awesome. Keep going, my friend. <laughs> that was a... I mean, that's unbelievable, isn't it, really? To, to have that sheer grit and determination... Yeah. Uh, And it's a real shame when people, you know, like Jack, come through that, get through it, really learn something about themselves and then perhaps beat themselves up a little bit too much, give themselves too much of a hard time. And I I don't know if you find this, Kate, and I'm interested to know your thoughts, but I've always thought that all of us have to have a little bit of self-talk here and there now we know that's important in races when the going gets tough If you really want to push like you're ambitious you want to push into cheap times and stuff so you're going to feel pretty uncomfortable at some point in the race you've got to do that self-talk and mantra stuff mm-hmm. but i think just generally in life you know for we spoke about confidence here and there's certain things that i know knock my confidence and certain things that conversely will help my confidence i have a funny relationship with marathon pace mm-hmm. if anything is involved involving marathon pace I start to feel a bit funny about it. I'm like oh gosh it's marathon pace and I, I think it's because I know that I'm doing it But I've got to sustain that for 26.2 miles. Not in that session. Yeah,
1: completely the same. What? You'll get like a. (laughs) uh, You'll be like going to do a run where it's supposed to be like five miles at marathon pace, and it feels utterly impossible. And then you just get completely freaked out by it because you're like, if I can't do five miles at it, how am I ever going to do 26 miles at it? Yeah, no, I think marathon pace is awful. I'd rather run faster it really is, isn't it? or substantially slower. But actually, it's funny, isn't it? I think, I remember Tom saying this once, <laughs> you, you actually, the, relatively speaking to to how you start, the faster you get, the less time you actually spend running at marathon pace. You do slow runs a lot slower and you do speed work a lot faster. But that kind of middle bit, you, you actually don't do much running at it.
2: The great coach, Dr. Jack Daniels, I really like some of his stuff and philosophies and training principles. And he often talks about, the, actually, marathon pace, how important is marathon pace? Mm. Now, some people may oh, it's definitely important. But I think it's probably important from a confidence thing, because a lot of the physiological benefits you can get from running faster and running slower, you know, above and below. And perhaps you have a... It's easier for you, maybe you're wired, not you personally, Kate, but it sounds like you are, as I am. <laughs> it's probably easier for us to do that the, the the faster stuff, but not for as long, and the yeah. kind of easier stuff, you yeah. know, f- but for longer, rather than that marathon bit in the middle. And I've, I've learned over the years through coaching that Everybody's different, including myself, including you, the runners. And it's treating people like individuals. I know Tom is a big believer of this. It's not just one size fits all, there's your plan. And it's kind of just navigating those kind of lumps and bumps in the road as i often refer to them yeah, yeah. that's so just
1: true and some people just seem to be able to like dial into that pace and keep it going forever i'm um, a shout out here to my friend jill jill bland who has run more sub three marathons than i've had hot dinners in the last uh, <laughs> certainly since i had kids um and uh hey jill we hate you but you're awesome sounds <laughs> she's, she's incredible <laughs> and she can just like you know she just hits that that marathon pace and can just keep going like that for well certainly for 26.2 miles but feeling quite good at it and kind of pushing and so on whereas I feel like yeah that's just impossible but then she would say to me yeah but you could do like 5k is way faster than I ever could I like, yeah but that's shorter okay so it kind of hurts more at the time but for a very much shorter time it's like it's just let's just quicker. get it done yeah
2: <laughs> so tell me about recovery you've mentioned that Kate, do you, you know, we asked you a lot about your relationship with various components of running, but recovery, is this something that you find easy? So, do you find the easy stuff easy, you know, the true recovery stuff? Do you find taking time out and days off and listening to the body and, oh, I feel a bit of a niggle, I'm not going to
1: run today. Are you okay with that? Do
2: you embrace it, or is that something you really battle with?
1: Some bits totally battle with, some bits not so much. I'm not very good at uh, at rest days because they make me feel twitchy. I kind of, I have to like do something. But I mean, if my legs are really feeling like they need a rest day, that something can be a gym session or whatever. And I still sort of feel like I've done something. So I'm kind of better at getting better at that. Pace wise, I'm fine. I'm like, I think I used to be a bit more, even the recovery runs, if the pace is that slow, you know, I can't, almost like vanity. You don't want people to see it out in Strava or whatever. What's the point? Yeah, Yeah. whereas now I'm like, Yeah, no, as slow as it needs to be. I just like, my legs can run whatever they want to run. I really like tracking my runs. I I never want to just sort of not know time, distance, pace, etc. But I'm absolutely fine with A, whatever that is, and B, not knowing until afterwards. So for easy runs or recovery runs or the longer runs I've been doing just to sort of try and take the pressure off, what I often do now is just... um, I take a, a little running vest or something, put my phone in in that, and I use my phone rather than my watch to track the run. So I know afterwards I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that was 35 minutes, whatever it was, minutes. And then the pace is just whatever. And that way I get to, to track my overall mileage um, without any kind of worrying about what the actual pace is. You have to have, like, no vanity about it, basically. Like, if if it's if that is what you consider to be slow the point of a recovery run is to help your legs recover if they need to go very very by your standards very very slowly in order to feel better at the end then that's what you should do otherwise it's not a recovery run is it it's just another kind of slightly Absolutely. pointless session are you listening while you're running to the uh, running to
2: this podcast slow down. <laughs> if you're doing a recovery run right now slow down kate's yeah. saying slow down I think it's a little bit of confidence, if I'm honest. You know, we talk about Strava and, all. Oh, people can't see if I'm going out and running 10-minute mile, 11-minute mile, 12-minute mile, whatever that number might be, that might be your true recovery pace yeah. or, you know, conditions being nice and all that, you know, flat run or whatever. Um, that might be your true recovery, but actually you don't really want your friends and your club mates and everybody to see that that's what you're doing. But it doesn't matter. It's having, I think, confidence in your own ability and your own goal, your own ambition. Yeah. Where are you going? It's about the big picture, isn't it? Not that my. Session. This is this is the session today, and this is all that matters. It's not necessarily look at the big picture, do the easy stuff. And you touched on this yourself, Kate. I think the idea is to recover. That's that's in the yeah. title. It's a recovery run. So a recovery run isn't. Just a shorter run, but at the same pace as you normally run. It's slowing it down. You've got to feel better afterwards than you did at the start. So I'm going to very quickly, because we're good at this on the show, flying around all over the place. We've gone from uber positive, just some brilliant stuff there. I'm going to bring the tone down a bit, (laughs) if this is okay, We do keep it very real. I know, and you're very honest, Kate, that you have not had amazing experiences in every single... Run that you've done and race, and I know certain races didn't go so well, namely a a a marathon, a sub three attempt. Can I ask you about that? Is that all right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So, when was it? What was what was the race, and what what went wrong, and what did you learn from that? What have you changed since?
1: I can't remember when I decided I wanted to run a sub three because I certainly when I I started running when my youngest daughter was a baby, so she's now God, she's now nine. So it's like I don't know, sort of eight eight and a half years ago or something. And I I, saw, I did catch to 5K. You know, I didn't know anything about running. I didn't know, um, didn't have any particular goals other than to, I mean, to be perfectly honest, at that point, I'd had two kids. So my goal was to fit back into the clothes in my wardrobe. It was basically the only goal. Uh, and then I got really into it. Did <laughs> a half goal. marathon, joined a club. Um, And then I remember, so I didn't do a marathon for a bit because I kind of thought I needed to have some more miles in my legs. And then I did a, did a couple of marathons and I got my time down to... New York Marathon, I think, in like three eleven or something. And at that point, everybody then obviously, when you're nearish to a a round number, people start saying, "Oh, is that your goal now?" So at some point during that, I must have been like, "Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be the that's goal very now. true. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember when it was. I did Berlin Marathon, and I was going for sub three, and I got three hours and seven seconds. <laughs> oh. And and everybody said to me afterwards, "Can you run a bit quicker?" <laughs> like, do you not think I tried? <laughs> I mean, my God. Was it a PB? It was, yeah, yeah. And it was quite a big PB at the time. It was like a five-minute PB or something like that. You know, So, so were you elated or were you...? What? I was quite... I was I- fine at the time. I mean... I fell, I kind of fell over twice during the race. Um, it was kind of a okay. bit. It was it was getting quite. It wasn't hot, but it was getting quite warm by the end. And there weren't that many water stations, and people were kind of you know what it's like. The end of a race, everybody's tired. No one has any ability to turn in any direction. So sort of, you, know. you weren't dressed
2: as a panda, right? <laughs> no, this was definitely normal, not dressed right? as a panda. Okay, okay. Um,
1: but you know, you okay. kind of go to a water station, and someone cuts across you, and you know, so that Fuck. happened a couple of times. Yeah. And one time I went right down, and the other time I kind of almost like oh. my hands and knees and stuff. And it was you know it kind of shakes you up a bit then I crossed the line I knew I thought it was going to be about 301 and then the the sort of somehow the finish line came a bit quicker so when I got 307 obviously I was like oh god but at the same time at the time I was like well it's a pb and physiologically there's absolutely no difference between 259 50 something and three hours and seven seconds so I know I can do it so I'll just do it next time the problem was that next time was then the following spring. I was in great form. I was like doing, I got PBs at everything. 5K, 10K, 10 miles, half marathon. was just, you know, this is going to be my moment. London Marathon started. This is going to be my sub I'm going to smash it. And I just felt absolutely awful from about like three miles. I don't know what happened. Wow. I just, I don't know if I'd, you know, when you kind of, you go up to, a, you can't sustain form forever. You ha- you go up to a peak and then you're going to come down and maybe I'd just come down the other side. Whatever happened, I don't know. My, my friend uh, Ben was was pacing me and I remember it's just like, after about like halfway, I was just like, I'm sorry, I can't, oh, leave me, leave me. It's <laughs> a melodramatic really kind of motto moment. <laughs> I'm done for. Yeah, exactly. Leave me, save yourself. <laughs> it was just awful. I mean, I crossed the line and I, I collapsed and uh god the worst bit was the next day i was writing this i was writing the guardian blog at the time writing this kind of you know very self-pitying post um and then i looked for i I needed to put a photograph in it just a sort of general running photo from london marathon so i i went into the picture library thing and searched literally the first picture that came up so i'm like getty images or pa photos or something was me being carried (laughs) By two people just after the finish line. I'm
2: like, oh, that's great. it. That's the episode cover for this show. That's the episode cover. We need that photo. Oh God, I look
1: awful. <laughs> My hair looks great, but hey. <laughs> so then the problem was that then that became like a a mental block almost. You know, it was like, oh, that, I mean, that's the trouble with marathons, isn't it? Is that you, you train really, really, really hard and then you get one shot in a blue moon.
2: Yeah, you can't just do it. A couple of weeks later yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of done for exactly a i mean this on, is why like
1: you know if you're an elite marathon runner and it's all going a bit wrong at like 14 miles you stop because then you can go and Absolutely. do it again in a couple of weeks because they can drop into another race but we're you know we're not elite runners we all want the medal we want to mm. finish we, we know we probably can finish just not in the desired pace so we keep going completely destroy ourselves then can't do another one for months you know <laughs> So this happened and then this ended up happening a few times. So then I did Berlin again, then next autumn. And I mean, that one I I knew from, I had like a niggle in the week running up to it. And I just, you know, I knew pretty early on it wasn't going to happen. So I just kind of got around. I don't know, like the the seven seconds thing started off fine and then became more and more and more of a kind of burden almost. Because it was like, oh, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? And so eventually I entered Seville Marathon, Tom said to me at the time, um, sort of going into... Seville's quite an early marathon. It's like in sort of the end of February or something. So we sort of started... I mean, obviously, I was all running the whole time, but sort of started proper marathon training, not until really kind of Christmas. And I remember him saying at the time, I think you want to think about whether you actually, like, tell people that you're doing this. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's hardly like um, anyone really cares. But I was writing the running blog every week, and it was sort of like... He was like, you know, you you may be putting pressure on yourself because you think people are kind of watching, and maybe they don't care. Maybe they do care. It might be nice, but um, so maybe kind but of. It's consider, what you feel inside, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. It's the story
2: you tell yourself. Exactly. That so, something matters. Therefore, it does matter. In, yeah. in some respects, in many respects. Yeah. Because you've told yourself that story. I get that.
1: Ken. And then also, like, if you if you put it out there that you're doing it, people kind of on. How's it going? How's the training going? How's the marathon training? Going? Are you going to do it this time? You're going to get yourself three this time? You know, you don't want that well incredibly well intentioned but nevertheless it is kind of pressure if, if that's what you feel it as so I didn't tell anybody that I was doing Seville um I I mean literally I think I told like one friend and my club because they was like why are you doing a 23 mile run on Sunday in January <laughs> <laughs> like, uh. and I would hide Bored. I heard I hid stuff off Strava like that would indicate it and stuff and I mean even like to the extent that the day uh, you know I flew out on the Friday for the race, did a little shakeout run on on Saturday, got back to the hotel, realised it had sort of synced immediately to Strava. I was like, oh, hide it, hide it, hide it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> you must not tell anyone I'm here. So I did it. I did sub three just in Seville. Although when I stopped my, because I. Deliberately started my watch a little bit before the line to give myself a little bit of like don't leave any margin for error, you know, and then obviously crossed the line and then stopped it a little bit after. And I looked down at my watch and it said three zero 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 zero. That was just like, oh you are no, joking No, 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 no. This cannot wow. happen again. But I knew that I'd started it before the line, so I thought there's got to be at least a few seconds there, which fortunately there were. But I didn't know until I got back to the hotel room when the when you can look at the official results and I got back I was staying very close to the finish I got back and I looked at my phone and there was like 473 whatsapps because one of my friend groups on whatsapp so one of them includes Ben who'd paced me in that awful race like what, awful for me race and he'd sort of he was one of the few people who knew and so he'd innocently in this group chat about 18 miles in tracking me on the thing said looks like Kate's going really well and everyone else was like at what? <laughs> and then it degenerated into this. <laughs> She's gone through 19. Just got. Through. I was like reading the whole thing afterwards. So oh, brilliant. <laughs> so yeah, it was. Um, it was kind just... of a bit below the radar, but it worked for me. You know, that's the thing, isn't it? You just have to find what works for you. It's maybe just take the pressure off yourself. Find the thing that find the thing that puts the pressure on you and remove it. It might be like not telling people. It might be telling everybody to sort of hold yourself accountable. It might be whatever it is. You just have to find it.
2: I've always said this as well, Kate, that it is in many ways a little bit bonkers that we, as you know, recreational uh, runners (for want of a better term), target times as often as we do. Because yes. if you're a real elite, you only really target a time if absolutely everything is perfect. And you know the conditions are, are bang on. Really, you're there to. Yes, there might be qualifying times for things like the London Marathon, but uh, for the Olympics rather in Kew Gardens. But for a lot of the time, it's about beating the competitors. Yes. look you're racing finishing position and yeah. everybody has to deal with the same condition so it's a, a level playing field isn't it it's so not like, pure no, racing rather um, two than two seconds the slower yeah. than last weekend's park run yeah. uh, it's rubbish <laughs> yeah <laughs> Kate it's been a pleasure chatting to you. you you've I feel super inspired now I've actually got to go and do I haven't got to go and do I want to go and do I'm going to to do an hour easy now with 10 strides. I really love it. Like, in, just in the local park, it's really quiet. It's really... They, they always cut the grass perfectly. It's a beautiful surface to run on. Oh, lovely. I'm just going to go and enjoy it. You've inspired me. So thank you, Kate. <laughs> Before you go, of course, I have to ask you this question. It is your weekly dose of running motivation this show. We ask all our guests this killer question. Are you ready for it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> da, da, da. What does the word motivation mean to
1: you oh um i guess achieving aiming to achieve what what makes you happy so if your motivation is you know pb then getting your pb if your motivation is i run because it makes me feel better then use that as motivation Kate, it's
2: been a pleasure chatting to you. I wish you all the luck in the world with your training. You won't need any luck, but I, I hope you have some luck with regards to Berlin and everybody else listening to this that is targeting Berlin as well. Yeah. Let's hope these races go ahead. hey. But if they don't, we're still going to learn something about ourselves, Kate. We're still going to increase our fitness, get ourselves feeling better. And that's mm-hmm. really key, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Have a great rest of the day and we will catch up soon. Thanks, Lovely. Kate. Thanks so much. Running with Jake, the podcast. Pete, hey, you sure you don't want to buy this watch? I don't want to buy the watch, mate. No, I don't. Good price. I, always, I mean, as a friend, mates, rates and stuff. It's a good price. I don't need it, and I think you need it in your life. I think it would, it's 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 going to be good for you, development.
0: This is the wrong time to be trying to sell watches. This is you've become. This has happened previously as well, where you've become like a like a dodgy market trader on the show. I don't know what's happened to you. See, normally, a watch of
2: this mileage and condition would go for about seventy five pounds to you, my friend. 65 free delivery. I don't want... Free delivery. I
0: want the watch. Free delivery. I like a traditional watch. Free next day delivery. Jake, I want... No, stop it. You're not Amazon. Come on. I've,
2: I've got you on Zoom. I'm just going to hold the watch there in the camera. Look, can you see, can you see that? Is that in shot? Can you, see the, can you see the watch? Can you see the watch? I can see right. it, yes. Right, look at the Examine the watch. I'm going to answer another question. It's
0: hashtag... Ask Jake. Have you hypnotised me?
2: Today's question comes from Mel, who wants to know how to control noisy collapsible water bottles. I know exactly what you mean, Mel. And the solution we have covered before on an Ask Jake, which was specifically regarding bladders, hydration bladders, and the fix is the same. So the noise that you can hear in the collapsible water bottle is actually the air that's in the bottle. So you've got to get rid of that. So the best thing to do is to fill the water bottle as much as you can and then turn it upside down, hold it above you, and then attempt to suck The air out of it if you are using a bottle that has a long straw. If you don't, just make sure that you keep it up the normal way and then suck the air from the top of the bottle. And then that effectively causes a vacuum, so there's less space for the water to slosh around and it means that it will be much quieter. There was a video that we uploaded to the show notes page, which is runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast, which was uh, the solution for the same problem with hydration bladders. I am going to upload that to today's episode notes. So make sure you go and check that out for a little video on exactly how to create a noise free run I hope that helps Mel if you've got a question it's hashtag askjake or email podcast at look stop clicking your fingers and hurrying me I know it's the end of the show I know you're very Jesus. busy I know you've got stuff to do you've messaged me three times already before recording today's show saying how busy you are
0: I get it but you are the producer I'm very busy of this show just I'm very important. calm down I've got stuff to do Jake come on time is money money is time Come on, right. come on, on,
2: come on I'm going to wrap up move
0: along thank you very
2: much for listening to today's show I hope you enjoyed it thank you to our guest Kate Carter we are in a bit of a hurry today because Pete's clearly got a lot of things to do. Time is indeed money. Come on, come on. And on that very subject, 60 quid, free engraving. <laughs> come on, I've got a Swiss army knife. I've got a Swiss army knife somewhere. I'll engrave it. I'll engrave it for you. I'll do it. What do you want? What do you want? Peter? PD? I don't mind. I don't mind. <laughs> I don't want PD written on the back of a watch. Thank you. I've got you. it. But, to a but special, thank you for the offer. To a special boy. Here we go. <laughs> Stop. I'll pop that in the post Thank you
0: Oh And one more thing
2: The only run you regret Is the one That you didn't do